Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and we are uh, beginning part three of a series uh, on postmodernism, really. Uh, kind of a confusing series, really. Hopefully you've listened to the last two episodes, but I'm here with my really good friend and ministry comrade, Dan Rudman. I'm, we're sitting in his office surrounded by giant whitetail shoulder mounts and books and guns and, you know, all the cool things that we enjoy, but it's a really cool atmosphere here. But yeah, hopefully you've listened to the last two parts the podcast on postmodernism again this is a really like a really confusing topic uh and we're going to be kind of jumping into more of the application part of it how does this like how does this postmodern theory how does this worldview how does postmodernism you know this this way of thinking affect our society today how does it actually show itself in our culture uh in Ultimately, in our churches and in our in our ministry organizations and things like that, how does it really show itself? How can you identify postmodern thought in your society? Um, and so I said, if you listen to the last podcast, part two of this discussion, I said, we're really going to start to talk about this uh, this term social justice. Because really, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, you have postmodernism really is a rebranding of Marxism, which is really weird. That doesn't make sense. Technically, it shouldn't make sense. It's, it's illogical uh, because postmodernism is a rejection of a meta narrative, which is an overarching story that, that really defines the whole world or whatever. And Marxism is a meta narrative. So technically, postmodernism should reject Marxism. Uh, and in Marxism, you have this idea of the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, basically the, the rich capitalist employer and then, then the working class, poor person. And that really got destroyed with communism and millions of people dying. But then it kind of went underground. Jordan Peterson says likes to say this. Went underground, kind of rebranded itself, renamed itself. And now we have what is called uh, oppressor and oppressed and we have these different uh, group identities and how that idea, oppressor, oppressed, really starts to show itself is in this movement called the social justice movement. And that's really confusing because we as Christians really like the word justice. Justice is extremely important in, in Christian thought, in Christian doctrine, in Christian theology. In the Bible, there is this huge idea and reality of justice. It's so foundational to why Christ came to die for us is that God is just and he needs to punish sin. So it's very, very, very interesting that here we have this, this movement called social justice using really biblical words, justice, uh, defining it in very interesting ways. And then if we're not careful, and if we just adopt this just because it sounds good and it seems to be right, uh, we can end up... Uh, really allowing some really destructive thoughts and theories and and uh, doctrines into our church, into our Christian circles, and it's really, really, really destructive. Um, if you haven't noticed, I have a cold, so I'm kind of talking funny. <laughs> uh, got this pretty, uh, yeah, pretty gnarly cold, but oh well, we're still going to talk about these things. <laughs> uh, so I guess social justice is, again, a very kind of confusing topic. We're going to hopefully try to make some things clear. But, yeah, there's a lot of subtleties to it, a lot, a lot of subtleties, and we have to really look carefully at definitions and where certain things came from and all this stuff. So do you have anything to add, Dan, before we really get into it? Um, I'm, you know, just thinking here. Um, yeah, I think I appreciate 
you know, when you say confusing or you could say complicated, there's just a lot of layers to it. You go to like a, a textbook, a philosophical textbook. I'm thinking of one written by J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig. And, you know, um, I think they do a good job of saying, you know, if we're going to talk about postmodernism, let's be let's be careful because it's a collection of a number of different thoughts yeah. coming from a number of different fields of study. And you almost have to let each person speak for themselves yeah. on it because it's not like... There it is, 100%. Yep. There it is. They embody that. Yeah. It's not quite like that. It's more they have these tenets or these movements, or I sometimes think of these tentacles that kind of right. spread out, or or you call them roots, you yep. know, little, yep. little tributaries. And so I think, uh, uh, Sam, you had said, and I think I'd heard it, but I, maybe I heard it from you, was, uh, you know, maybe you said it in one of the earlier podcasts, sure. too, was that... Uh, I think Peterson was referring to this. It's not like you go out and see it 100% in a person. Yeah, right? that's what Peterson says. It's like, yeah, yeah there's no 100% postmodernist mm -hmm. person. Right. 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 And so when we talk about it, obviously, as we have this conversation, it's this podcast stuff's been fun for me because we're just, we're just having a con literally conversation here in my office. We're looking outside. For Kansas, we have a snowstorm. I know it's not like North Dakota, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Michigan where I grew up, but it is a snowstorm today and uh, ice all over the window, and it's just kind of fun to have this conversation. And so there's so much more that could be talked about. Yeah. Certainly not less. And each one of us, particularly, you know, even how I think about it, there's certain aspects of it that are more important to talk about for me than other things. And so, again, you could probably have a larger conversation with other people in the room and they bring up other tenets that need to be considered and so for me um with that said I'm, I'm simply the big issue for me comes back to um a couple of things one is to understand that that in some way people would say and i've had christian good good christian friends say to me well isn't postmodernism a correction of modernism you know modernism everything's machinery and then postmodernism has this kind of spiritual t tone to it in a humanitarian existential tone existentialist means experiential, you know, the soulish kind of stuff. Yeah. And so isn't that a correction? And I want to go, well, in a certain sense, you could say there's corrections, but postmodernism is not the answer to the correction. Right. And I've already said that in the other ones. That's why I'm trying to reemphasize these things. I say, no, there's another option, and it's biblical Christianity. Yeah. It's the way God actually created the world, and he communicated to us about it, that says, of course we have real things that are rational and and, and and say machinery, I have a real hand, I have a real body. Jesus had a real body. He took on human flesh. Right. It was real. Right. At the same time, <laughs> we have a real non-material, metaphysical, again, supernatural, yeah. spiritual component, experiential component, existential component. And the beauty to me is that when we go to the scriptures and we read deeply and we understand and God begins to shape our mind, which is another whole discussion about what's not what we could say is the Christian mind, the way yep. a Christian is to think. Right. Um, we have both. Yeah. It's a unified field of knowledge, as it's been said. You could draw a circle and say, oh, no, both fit in here. Sure. And I can actually explain it in a comprehensive way. And yeah. so then that so that's a big, big issue for me. You'll hear me kind of refer to that a lot. And then the other one that I see that goes with this then is these this idea, we could use the word presupposition, and again, in a technical way, I totally know that there's different discussions, but my point when I say presupposition is this, like, what is the beginning point, you know? Right. If we're going to say, I'm going to start my conversation, my thoughts, this is where I'm going to begin. And I begin with God is there. And when I say God... The, the definition that the scriptures give us, that God is 
wired, hardwired into our souls. He's wired into the world. Right. This personal, infinite, triune God actually exists. He's here engaging, interacting with Sam and I right now. Yep. And, we're, and, and there's a sense I could sit here, even in this moment, and just have this worshipful awe of this God that lo- loves Sam and I and rescued us. Right. And he's real. He's right. true. Right. So I start there. Right. And then he's the, I always say the omni-god, you right. know, like he's infinite, he's limitless. Right. It's right. like, okay, so you got to get that in your head before you have any discussion. Yeah. The second one then that I, again, I know I camp on this a lot, is is you could say it's an issue of authority. And that is, okay, so where do I go for the answers, if you will? Where, where, where yeah. do I, and I think God actually spoke with to us. Yep. I think he's given us objective things yeah. in real places yeah. in, in supremely embodied in Jesus, obviously. Right. And the scriptures. And the scriptures, we could have a whole discussion now biblically. We could start open Bible and show you where, I mean, it's just a big deal. Right. This, 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 this very word was carried along, written by men, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right. And so I want to start all my discussions there to the best of my capacity Absolutely. as a finite, fallen man who only has a certain level IQ. Yep. Um, but I immerse myself in then even a whole body of people around me who are on the same journey I'm on and sure. say, oh, well, you know, and we have this discussion. And, and out of this scripture is, is some real clarity of objective truths. Yeah. That's, so I'm just saying, as we talk about postmodernity, you have to realize you'll begin to get the sense of like, oh, as we said the other, in the other podcast, postmodernism is like, if you really think about it, it starts with man and it starts with man's experience. Yep. And what does he feel yep. and what does yep. he think? And and then then it kind of it kind of I don't know if it morphed, but we could have the whole you know historical philosophical conversation. But it kind of got to the point. It wasn't just just an individual. It's this individual as they find other people that are like them. Right. And now you have this group, and it's this group experience. And out of that group experience, we're going to come up with reality and truth for the world. Yeah. And I want to go well if it doesn't align with what God who God is and what God said. Well, then it's it's probably off and it's wrong. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. So in some ways, it's very simple to me. I, I start with who God is and his authority. So, exactly. So I don't know. So that's, yeah, that's a good point, the, This the, our ultimate authority, the scriptures. And a lot of people who, older theologians, pastors, guys, that they look at this social justice thing, this postmodern thing, and they go, how on earth did this happen? How, what, hmm, where did yeah. this come from? And I know James White has said, I he was he said he was, in a sense, you could say ignorant of the fact that, well, he just thought, well, sufficiency of scripture and scripture alone and authority of scripture would prevent something like this from coming into our churches. Because if you're a Bible believing church, you believe in the sufficiency of scripture, the infallibility of scripture, yeah. inerrancy of scripture, right. authority. Uh, and if, if we have the, these things like uh, critical race theory and intersectionality and uh, virtue signaling and white privilege and all these social justice uh, things, if we just go, okay, okay, let's look at this. Let's look at critical race theory. Let's look at intersectionality. Let's look at these things and weigh them against Scripture. If 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 we in the church are going to uh, adopt certain things, then we have to figure out first if starting fundamentally with the Bible and with God, do these things, can we see these things in Scripture? Not can we read into Scripture these things, but mm-hmm. can we see these things in Scripture? Yep. And therefore, yes, use them in the church, use them in our ministry. And Good. Yeah. and the point is, we can't. Right. We can't. And so what ends up happening when you have a church or a ministry or Christians uh, seeing 
critical race theory, uh, intersectionality, these things, white privilege, whatever it is, if they see them as a valid tool in their ministry, in their gospel ministry, whatever it is, uh, it's not because they pulled them out of Scripture as viable tools. It's because they imposed them on the Scripture and read into the Scripture these things. Yep. Which is extremely dangerous. Yeah, and, and for some of you may, <clears throat> that may be interested, it's called eisegesis. Yeah, instead of exegesis. Right. Yep. It's just this, you know, technical term again. I want to be pragmatic in the sense of just beyond where we all live. It's like, yeah, you have an idea, then you go to Scripture and you read it and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. When it may not be what that is at all. Right, exactly. And I've had that. I was part of a, a, a group of just lovely men um, in a community kind of Bible study thing that in time I realized I just I was probably a fly in the ointment there a little bit. And they were wonderful men. They really were. But they'd come every week, and they wanted to have a. They would call it a Bible study. But what they would do is they would somebody would start with some passage, and then they'd all kind of weigh in what they thought. Yeah. And what was interesting because they were all older men, and they'd kind of been around the church most of them most of their life. It wasn't like what they would say would be unbiblical things. Sure. It just wasn't what that text was talking about. You know? <laughs> no, every once in a while they did. They got off on a tangent, and that's where I was like a flying ointment. Like, you know, wait a minute. And But I was always saying, guys, you know, what you're saying isn't like unbiblical, but it's 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 like some, I would call it like a Hallmark card cliche. You're, you're saying this statement that's not a bad statement, but it's not what this is saying, right. you know? And so people do this. Yeah, all the time. And they think they can do it with the Bible. Right. It's very interesting. Interesting. And, very yeah. Interesting. So here's if Sam, could I read a couple of things here? I was just thinking as you do oh, this. Read I, I, you did, I grabbed a bunch of books and files and threw them in front of me <laughs> as we started this podcast. Uh, again, I didn't know where this would all go, but but the reason I find this fascinating, I, and again, it's something. It's kind of a gong. I kind of always keep beating all the time trying to convince people of this. This is not, in one sense, new. Yeah. It was predicted. Right, and so there is a a wonderful book that I that has been very formative for me. I read it early in my Christian life, and it was called The Christian Mind by Hay, Harry Blaymeyers or Blaymeyers, mm -hmm. and it was you know from the UK. Sure, and it was written in 1963, and so it fascinated me because there was always this movement. Maybe in the world, it's not quite the same. I don't know what people would say today, but there were a sense these things kind of happened in Europe, right? And then it took you know. 8, 10, 12, 15 years, and it kind of then flooded here into the U.S. Yeah. So in a sense, when he's writing in the 60s, um, I'm going to show you another dated uh, quote from somebody else here in the 70s when it was now here in the U.S. Yeah. So just think, this is England in yep. the 60s. Yep. And if I could just read this, and you know, I think you could follow. I mean, it's it's a couple paragraphs, but it's worth hearing, I think. Yeah. Okay, so he's talking about the nature of truth. Sure. The very thing we're talking about. When we say truth, we're talking about what is reality. Yep. Uh, you could say it's a propositional statement that reflects reality. Yep. Um, uh, we would say that God has um, the, is the ultimate reality. Yep. We already said this in a prior podcast. And then he created a world that uh, expresses that reality, is that reality. He created us to know that. He, he spoke to us about it. Yep. And now uh, our uh, call as human beings on this earth is to glorify God, reflect God. Yep. And the way we do that is to, uh, some writers would say, reinterpret yep. God's interpretation. Yeah. We are to, that's that's what it means to proclaim or speak truth. We are to say, no, this is what reality is. Yeah. So that's the nature of truth. So he's speaking on truth. Now listen to this. This is, you know, uh, I know probably there's a number of younger people, you know, 30 years younger than me listening to this in their 20s. And I want you to catch that there are men that were saying, hey, this is where this is going. Right. And they were saying this in 1963. Yeah. So listen, listen. 
He's, one may say without exaggeration that the failure to distinguish clearly between the Christian conception of truth and the conception of truth popularly cherished in the secular mind has been one of the most unfortunate neglects of our age. This failure has done more than anything else to uh, uh, sap, would be the word, but take away the church's intellectual morale. It has produced woolly sentimentality and evasion in the thinking of Christians themselves. It's destroyed clarity. It's destroyed authority. It has conversely nourished in the secular mind. Now, look at this. Those that are not Christians. It has conversely nourished in the secular world that the conviction that the church has nothing to say to this generation, deeper or more startling or more important than conventional platitudes, as he says, of welfare ethics. Mm. It's like I was saying. It's like, oh, you know, the church just has these nice little hallmark card yeah, statements, yeah. you know. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What God gave us was a genius of thinking. Yeah. Okay, now let me go on. Briefly, one may sum up the clash between the Christian mind and the secular mind this way. Secularism asserts the opinionated self is the only judge of truth. Yep. Christianity imposes the given divine revelation as the final touchstone of truth. Right. Divine revelation. God has spoken. And he's put a revelation there for us to know. Right. And it doesn't matter what I think. I have to take what I think and reflect it off of that. Yeah. So the marks of truth as Christianly conceived then are that this truth is supernaturally grounded. It's not developed within nature. It's objective and not subjective. It is revelational, revealed to us, mm-hmm. and not a construction. We don't construct it. We yeah, don't make it's not it socially, socially constructed. Right. It is discovered by inquiry and not elected by majority vote. Mm. See, it doesn't matter how many people. Yeah. So if I came in a room and said two plus two is four, somebody might go, oh, no, 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 no. No, it's three, it's five, it's seven. And then somebody might go, oh, let's all get along. Let's take everybody's answers and come up with an average. Right. No. No. No, it's two plus two is four. Um, so it's not majority vote. That is, it is authoritative and not a matter of personal choice. The sense of an objective truth existing within the severe sphere of religion has been lost. Remember, 1960s. Religious conviction is for the secular mind a matter of individual preference related not to objective truth, but to personal need. Yeah. See how that is? Wow. And he's saying in the 60s, he's saying this was lost. So for the secular mind, they think, oh, what you guys are talking about is just, you know, your own personal ethics yeah. and some warm, fuzzy things. And it's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Right. We actually believe that there's like seriously objective truth right. that reflects the real world. And, you know, uh, as I say often, and I don't know, somebody can correct me on the numbers, but I w- I've been told various numbers, but, but certainly in the hu- low 120, 123, 124, something like that, of the original 130 universities in, here in the West, in the U.S., sure. they were grounded, founded in Christian theology. Right. Right. Because it's genius. Right. It isn't just, oh, sentimentality or feel-good stuff like he's talking about. So the problem here isn't just the secular mind, the non-Christian mind looking back at us as Christians. The, the greater frustration that we're trying to address, Sam, when yeah. we talk, right, is that this same idea has been adopted by Christians in the church. Uh, uh-huh. We really don't have truth, and it really uh. is left up to you. And so... Wow, you know, we could, if you want to label it, we're trying to say, yeah, that's that's kind of the idea of postmodernism. That's yeah, the point. It's and in then, the church, and it's been brought 
into God's Ooh. people, which if we go to the scriptures, that's exactly, and I, maybe we said that in the first podcast or two, it's exactly what happened in the, in, when we read your epistles, you go to, for, you know, just think of 1 John. Yeah. He's dealing with a thought that was called Gnosticism. Yeah. And it came into the church. Yeah. So those were people that claimed to be Christians. In some cases, they probably really were. And they're believing wrong things. Yeah. And it had to be corrected. Yep. Has so, to be corrected. And it's the same yes, thing. It's first it's century church. Right. Same thing. Wow. So... So that's a quote. The other quote I just give you real quickly is just another guy that I've read over the years that I've just deeply uh, appreciated. And that is, uh, and some of you might, even when I talk, people pick up on that from me that know about this. This is Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. So, so, so let me think now. So let's go to in the 70s now. Yep. So I just read in 1963. Let's go to the 70s. Let me read it, just a paragraph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is in the 70s. Yep. Uh, uh, quoted material from uh, The God Who Is There. Francis Schaeffer was addressing the same thing. Yep. He said, the tragedy of our situation today is men and women are being fundamentally affected by a new way of looking at truth. And yet they've never analyzed the drift which has taken place. Like they've never thought about like, how did this get here? Huh. Huh. <laughs> Young people from Christian homes are brought up in an old framework. Sure. Uh, they are subjected to the new modern, or we could say now postmodern framework. In time, they become confused because they do not understand the alternatives which they are being presented. Confusion becomes bewilderment, and before long, they're overwhelmed. And this is unhappily true, not only of young people, but think of this now. He said this in the 70s. This is unhappily true of many pastors, Christian educators, evangelists, and missionaries as well. Mm. So the Christian leaders in our churches were confused about this, yeah. and they weren't correcting it. Ugh. And so you have a generation now, two generations, who've been immersed in a in a, uh, a fundamental uh, way of how you come to knowledge. Yeah. And that we have actually knowledge of the truth. Yeah. We actually have knowledge of truth. Right. The whole thing is confusing, and it, sh it didn't need to be. So this change in the concept of the way we come to knowledge and truth is the most crucial problem, as I understand it, facing Christianity today. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So he's saying this in the 70s. So when I refer to that, sometimes I mean, people think I'm thinking... years ago now. Yeah, and this is what's fascinating to me. Is people, when I do this, people think, oh, yeah, well, that's passe. You know, that's old dead stuff. It doesn't count anymore. I'm like, no. My point is, is these guys were, were saying, this is going to happen. Here it yeah. is. It's here. Yep. And I'm looking at it now as a man who have been... I really, even three decades, I've been trying to say this to right. the church. And I probably haven't said it the best way, and we could have that whole discussion. How do you communicate it? But here we are. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. And you, as a guy in his early 20s, are feeling this, seeing it, recognizing it, yeah. trying to say, okay, how do, we, how do we talk about this and sort it out? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Great insight. Okay, so now as we kind of come back to this term, social justice, um, and again, keep in mind, think about, too, this, again, you kind of have to keep in mind this Marxist theory of of you see these disparities, you see this inequality, and really it was an inequality of 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 you know money, you know different opportunities mm -hmm. in a sense. And so now, as the postmodernists rebrand that oppressor oppressed, so what the social justice movement then seeks to do, and this is really this is you can go on like if you actually look at like secular definitions of it if you actually go to website and websites and read certain like peer-reviewed articles from you know the social sciences and all this stuff this is this is what they say this is actually accepted um and i really got this this from uh Vody Bakum. he says this social justice seeks one identifying disadvantaged groups two 
assess group outcomes. Three, assign blame for disparate outcomes. And four, redistribute power and resources to those disadvantaged groups. Mm-hmm. That's exactly Marxism, really. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's you know it's not about these different classes, about these different groups. And mm-hmm. then who are these groups? Well, really, they're minority groups. So ethnic minorities have been for a while now classified as part of this 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 oppressed group. Uh, feminists, feminists, so women, women are considered to be in this disadvantaged group, and then LGBTQ have been considered to be in this group. Mm-hmm. So those are the three primary hmm. groups, if you want to say that. Ethnic minorities. Well, you know what you could do, Sam? Sure. If we get, I'm not trying to be comical. Why don't you just describe the one group that's the oppressor? Yeah. I mean, you really got to say, well, there's one group that's the oppressor. And yeah. Every, everybody else is the oppressor. Yeah. What's the one group? Whites. We'll go further. White Christians. Males. Males. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so interesting. Here's the thing. Heterosexual males. Well, yeah, that's what that's what's so interesting about this is so mm-hmm. then you have this teaching of intersectionality, which was the the term intersectionality was coined by the third wave feminists. So this this intersectionality thing, again, was not found in the Bible. It was it was it was coined and invented really by third wave feminists. You better you better define it. Intersectionality. Right. And this is the interesting thing. Intersectionality really means uh, I have, as a person, as an individual, all these different groups that I can identify with. And so as I start to identify with more groups, I cross these intersections, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, personally, me, Sam Parada, I identify, you know, if we want to use a social justice lingo, I identify it with being white, Caucasian. My mm-hmm. skin is white. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter really what, you know, am I Italian? Am I Swedish? You know, I actually am Italian, Swedish, German. Yeah, and you show me some pictures of the other family members, and they're like really dark. Yeah, my sister, my sister, <laughs> my sister, my sister shares 50% of my DNA. She is dark, dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes. Yeah, the olive skin, yeah. She's, she's, she's been, gorgeous. she's been, okay, she's been mistaken as Mexican, uh, uh, Native American Indian. She's been confused with actual like India Indian. She's been she's you know well she does have some Italian blood in her. So obviously yeah. just like full blood Italian. Like all these different things she's been confused with. But she's I mean the same as the guy that we work with, the guy that I live with with yeah. another AFCI guy, Brandon Smith. Yeah, he's a he's a white guy. Both his parents are white. But he has dark skin, dark hair, and yeah. he's been mistaken with everything. Yeah. So it's really it's just okay. This whole like white thing white privilege it's just is your skin white and that's all that matters that's all that's taken into account doesn't matter where you were born who you were born to Caucasian Caucasian yeah okay yep so for me personally yeah white skin uh I'm a man I have an XY I have XY chromosomes yeah I'm a man genetically biologically I identify as a man I am a man (laughs) uh I'm heterosexual so you could say I'm attracted to the opposite sex. Uh, obviously, I'm a single Christian, so I don't actually have uh, heterosexual sex because that would be a sin in the Christian worldview, obviously. But I'm attracted to the opposite sex. Yep. I'm cisgendered, which means I'm still a male. I was born a male. I still identify as a male. Right. Cisgendered. Cisgendered. That, that's interesting. As opposed to transgender. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm I'm. You could say you could also say that I was born into a middle class family, mm-hmm. so I wasn't born into poverty. Mm-hmm. I had clothing, I had food, I had education, a uh, car I could drive around. You know, things. Right. I had guns. I could hunt. I could fish. I could you know, I had books to read. Whatever. TV, yeah. phone. You know, whatever it was. Yeah. So I had those. I don't know that those luxuries in a sense that were you know commonly attributed to middle class and up. Yeah. And not lower class. Sure. So those are my intersections that I cross through. Yeah. And every intersection that I cross through actually makes me the epitome of the ultimate oppressor automatically. Mm. And none of those things I controlled. I didn't choose that I would be white skinned. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose that I'd be born into a middle class family. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose uh, my biological sex. God chose that. Mm-hmm. God knit me together in my mother's right. womb. He made me a man. He yeah. made me a male. Yeah. He gave me an XY chromosome. Yeah. I didn't choose that. Right. And and for me to say uh, that I'm not a man would actually be saying, God, you messed up. Yep. Or 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 you would be saying, I have an authority to decide what I want to be. Yeah. I can create myself. And so the beauty of what, you know, obviously, I mean, God created you to be something. And so now he's, he said, Here, here's who who you are, right. here's the pattern, here's the form, Yep. and now you yep. um, uh, uh, learn to conform to that. You step into that. Yeah. You take that on. And, and it's I a steward it. And yes, and you become a steward, of, and, and that's what maturity is, Yeah. is aligning with that. Right. That, that's actually what maturity is. That's what's interesting. Right. To, to become a, so for you, um, it's becoming a mature man. Right. And you'll find areas of your life that are immature. Right. And so I find that very interesting. People who have a lot of this um, uh, identity struggle, if you look at their lives, they have a lot of immaturity yeah. in their lives and the way yeah. they respond emotionally, lots of things. Not, right. not entirely, but, right. you know, but, but you see a lot of this. You're like, right. well, yeah. Right. That would be that because this is maturity. Yeah. God's designed it. Yeah. And then said, now you, you flourish and you step into that. You step into it. And, and the beauty in it, that's the word I just used. And when you do, yeah. you, you actually flourish. You flourish. That's the crazy you're, thing. You're, like you you're actually living become, the way you're designed to live. Yep. Exactly. You, you will flourish. Exactly. Because, again, God created this universe. He created everything. Mm-hmm. He created me. He sustains me. Mm-hmm. sustains everybody. He created mm-hmm. everything. He created a certain way. So if we live according to that design, yeah. it's going to cause human flourishing. It yep. really is. That's what it does. Yeah. It, that's what it does. It's good yep. to live according to your design is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I went off, and I think, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the first one on this discussion of postmodernism, I kind of went off on a rant on sexual immorality. The body's, <laughs> the body's m- not made for sexual immorality. immorality. It's made for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Yeah. So if you, if you abstain from sexual immorality, you will flourish because your body's not made for that. Yeah. My not, body's not made to smoke meth every day. And if I smoke meth every day, eventually I'm going to die. And that's what you see with, with people who put drugs in their body that their, their body's not made for. Mm-hmm. Their body actually deteriorates and they yeah. kill themselves. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. We understand this. Yeah. What is my body made for? I can't just drink a bucket of bleach, okay? Not made for it. Yep. But if I put some bleach on a white shirt and get out of stain, hey, that actually works. It's made for that. You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's kind of back, interesting. Back thing. to social justice. Yeah, back to social justice and not bleach. Uh, yeah, so that's that's that social justice is defined really by the secular, our world, uh, the the secular university, yeah. the social sciences. That's what social justice yeah. justice is. Again, I'll read what they're what they seek to do. 
identify disadvantaged groups, assess the group outcomes, assign blame for the disparate out- outcomes. So, again, assign blame. So, if there is if there is a disparity, if there's an inequality, we could say, mm-hmm. if some group seems to have less socioeconomic status or less monetary things than another group, we're automatically going to have to blame somebody for that. But yep. the thing about it is that if it's a if it's already been classified as a disadvantaged group, they are not to blame ever. Mm-hmm. In social justice, you can never blame that group. So, and this is gets this gets really controversial. This gets really controversial, and mm-hmm. I I know that I'm going to be saying some very controversial thing things. Maybe some things that really oh that bothers you. And the point is, is we have to have the discussion. We have to have the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, obviously, we know statistically that that. Uh, that in the black community, there's this, there's just there's poverty. There's there's more black individuals are in prisons. So these are things we can observe. Uh, there's there's fatherlessness in the black community like crazy. Mm-hmm. Those are things we can observe. Those are statistics we can take. Mm-hmm. So then we see this and we assess that. Okay, we assess this disparity. Mm-hmm. Now who are we going to blame to blame for it? Mm-hmm. We can't blame in the social justice movement. We can't blame the black community. We have to blame a group outside of the black community. We have to. That's part of their this how this works for them. So again, in Marxism, we can't blame the lower class for being the lower class. We have to blame the upper class. We have to blame the bourgeoisie for the the lower class, you know, nature of the proletariat. Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? Well, we take government control, and then we take the money from the bourgeoisie, and we then give it to the proletariat mm-hmm. we have to uh we have to redistribute the resources and so again postmodernism is all about power so postmodernists have looked at these disparities among all these different groups okay the we look oh the whites have had all the had all the power lately in a, in our uh history in our american history yeah it's uh, called hegemonic yeah hegemonic um so we're going to see them as the oppressor group mm-hmm. and we're going to automatically blame them for all the disparity that we see. And then what we're going to seek to do is try to take that power from them and redistribute it to the disadvantaged group, mm-hmm. regardless if it was their fault or not. Yeah. And in certain cases it was. Yeah. So, there, so this whole social justice thing is very interesting. Well, so, and where it really gets a little convoluted here, um, Sam, and it gets really just, just discouraging to have the conversation is just that previous few statements you made. Yeah they would say yeah is because right you're trying to pull a power play exactly and you may not even be thinking you're pulling right. a power play right and so you need to be woke which we can go a different yeah down the <laughs> oh, man but the idea you need to be woke up to the fact that actually you are carrying this power yeah. this yeah. hegemonic power yep and you actually are the disruptor you are the oppressor you right. are the one and and so the only reason that you see what you just re- said you know right. 60 seconds ago or because i'm seeking power yep that's really why exactly. and you need to recognize that. Yep. And so that shame that, on you, Sam. Yeah. And so this is the interesting <laughs> thing. This is the thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. I go, Whoa, Whoa. Yeah. Is that what I'm doing? And yeah. then you can ask yourself, if you're a Christian, you can ask yourself, yeah. is that what I'm doing? Yeah. And then you go, okay, wait a minute. I have to go to the scriptures then. Yeah. So, so exactly. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I was gonna I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, well, what I was just going to say, so, so it, it removes a number of things you have to give there again. If you were to say, let's, let's talk, here's the, here's the problem. Here's the discussion. Here's the conflict sitting on the table. Yep. Well, it isn't interesting because you have to go again to 
or presuppositions. And, yep. you, and you would say, as Christian, as a Christian, I'd say actually the fundamental problem is sin. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, like, like I'm I, I Dan, I have a rebellious spirit yep. deep in my soul. Yep. A rebelliousness towards and your God. sin nature is going to make you think about yourself. And it's not about somebody oppressing me. I'm, I'm wicked. I'm wicked. I'm uh, uh, historically we'd have would have called this the total depravity of man. Yeah, which can be misunderstood. And I know you've talked on it right. on other podcasts. You referred to that. Yep. But but just realize the depraved man says like my thinking could be off. Yeah. Exactly. My, my emotions are off. Right. There's lots of things in me that could really be off. Right. And uh, once again, I have to have something outside of myself. Right. Uh, a reference point by which I go to to say, okay, this is how I know I'm off. And, and I would say that's the scriptures. Now, here's what's interesting about the discussion. The reason I, I, I'm glad you went to the Bible, obviously, with, with your podcast and what you're seeking to do, Sam. Yeah. But if I could take one more step, it's interesting in this discussion of social justice. This is one of the things that intrigues me. Yep. So I would tell you that I am not, I said it probably the first podcast, I, I don't really seek to be a philosopher though I think all, all we are, all are as we all are wrestling with truth. But I'm sure. just saying I'm not a scholar in that realm. I've read a lot over 35 years, and so I know some things. Uh, I understand some things, but I'm not going to claim high ground there in the sense yeah. that I'm the scholar and I can explain all this to you. Right. So I more look at these things, and, and I listen to people, and certain things make sense. And then, you know, I do go to my scriptures. I would say, you know, as a profession in my life, I, I have been a man who spent, professional training and equipping and 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 uh, life seeking to understand the scriptures yeah and make those things known right and so there is a my wheelhouse gets there yeah yeah so here's the, what I'm trying to get at what I find in the social justice thing is is fundamentally I would say the problem is we don't understand Christian presuppositions we don't understand the nature of God yep we don't understand the nature of sin yep we're usurping really the gospel that says no this is an individual sinful problem right needs christ um there are many people talking about this so you mentioned jordan peterson there's many many others yeah um that again i think we saw talked about this in the other podcast this idea of co-belligerence sure like like we all see this conflict this this you could really say an enemy enemy to humanity an yeah. enemy to western civilization and truly an enemy to the church enemy to the gospel enemy enemy uh, enemy to uh, the reality of what God's created. Yeah. And so as Christians, we'd say, here's, here's the fundamental problem. Uh, you know, it's sin. Yep. It's, it's uh, denial of God. It's... But at the same time, we could sit in the room with certain scholars, and I've listened to them, who are atheists, yeah. who see the same conflict. Yeah. Now, they come up short, in my view, sure. of what the real problem is. But it's interesting to me that they do see, and they do have answers for the problems. Uh, uh, you know, sociological answers, psychological, uh, cultural answers, they, right. uh, fundamental, you know, and so there's this whole theory called critical race theory, and right. they say that's the problem. We're teaching this theory. Yeah. And, um, which, and, was, which was invented in, in the 80s in universities, really in law universities. Yeah, about oppressed, oppressor, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so, anyway, the whole thing is fascinating to me because there are many men I can listen to that are highlighting this stuff. And again, I would say, there's a, a added most critical um, solution, sure. meaning the Christian answer. Um, but they're on it; they're seeing it. Yeah. And if it again, so I suppose my point is, is that um, I'm intrigued by the fact of listening to people who are much more astute, even on this issue, than yeah. me. And they're not even Christians, is right. my point. Right. And, and they see it. Yeah. 
And so it's a fascinating thing. In fact, I would say on this podcast, if you're curious, like if you want to know some of the like key constructs of this, and there's probably lots of stuff out there you could go to, and maybe Sam, you're going to give resources for that. But there is this group of guys, um, uh, sovereign nations, yeah, um, who've uh, had a conference, uh, the social go- social justice and the gospel yeah. conference. Got to listen to it. It's yep. Listen, and there's like six messages on it. Yep. I think it was either the fall of 2016, 2017. Yeah, a couple of years old, a few yep. years old yep. now. Uh, but but if nothing else, you listen to those six 30 or 40 minute messages. Right. Right. And and you go, okay, here yeah. here is the say the nomenclature. Here yep. are the discussion points. Yep. And and again, don't need to know it all, but at least you go, okay. Yeah. Intersection. At, here's social justice. Here's a uh, white supremacy. Yep. Here's or white privilege. Here's yep. uh here's uh, uh intersectionality. Right. Right. Um, all these terms and then you go oh and you can see how they're interwoven what's really intriguing then is that that uh i think his name's michael o'fallon goes on and does an interview in fact like two three parts numbers of hours Tro- like, yeah trojan horse interview with two yeah, atheists yeah, trojan horse uh one trojan horse two trojan horse three yeah. i tell you go to youtube find these listen to them it's fascinating to listen to these two professors who uh you know uh don't claim to be christians yeah, they're atheists yeah you think you know or wherever they're at it may one says maybe a little more agnostic, whatever that means, and I'm not even worried about that. My yeah. point is, is to listen to them talk. Yeah. In the field of our a- academy, the university setting. Yep. This 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 place of scholarship. Right. Of of this concern they have for this same issue. Right. And again, I wouldn't agree on every point. Right. But it's fascinating that I would go, oh yeah. Yeah. And so then I see my brothers in Christ, out there in the world, who are kind of adopting this. Right. Going like, brother, like there are atheists that see this as a problem. Yeah, I mean it should make you stop and take pause and at least think about right. this before you go too far with right. this thing. And it's amazing to me. So similar to my quotes I gave you earlier um, from the sixties, seventies, it's like this is in the church, right? It it's is. A, it's being carried by Christians. Yeah, and, and you know that nuts. And I, and I'm like, wait a minute, stop. We we shouldn't be carrying this. <laughs> right. Right. So Right. So here here's so here's the issue. Part of the issue is the definition of, of what's moral and immoral. Uh, and so like we remember I read a list of contradictions that postmodernists tend to hold to. Uh, maybe it was in the last one, I think. And I got this from Stephen Hicks. But he said one of the things is there's no By the way, Hicks would be the a co belligerent. Yeah, like, exactly. We wouldn't say he's a Christian preacher and we right, disagree no. we disagree with lots of things. Right. But he understands this issue. <laughs> yeah, he understands this issue. Yep. So he says, okay, postmodernists say there's there's really no objective morality. But then he says, but sexism and racism are are objectively wrong and evil. So that's that's a contradiction. Um, and so you see this all over. Uh, you know, what what is the postmodern morality? What is the social justice morality that they're trying to propagate? And... They they really would define morality, and I'm getting this from Dr. James White now. This is how he would say it. This is morality for the for this social justice movement, for the postmodern person. Uh, morality is the destruction of oppression, and oppression is the difference in socioeconomic status. Hmm. So that's it. That's morality. So if you are seeking to destroy oppression in this world, you are being a moral person. And it does not it does not matter how you do this. So if it ultimately means that you need to take physical force to to destroy oppression, then that's moral for you. And that's why you can start to see why if you mm-hmm. adopt this Marxist theory, that's why you can start to see that 
it was justified for these Marxists to kill hundreds of millions of people to bring about this end of oppression and this equality. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Amazing, yeah. So now when we look at our world now, we go, oh man, you can tend to think, and this, I'm not going to, I don't want to get really political, but you can tend to think, wow, how can people think like that? How can they, how can they get crazy like this? Mm -hmm. They get really crazy and radical and uh, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's like really weird, really irrational things that people are doing and saying. And you go, well, that starts to make sense. If they see the, the destruction of oppression and the, 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 you know, redistributing resources as the ultimate moral thing to do, then you can start to justify really irrational behavior. You can start to justify actual taking on physical force to see this happen. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Now, talking to, I kind of want to go back to okay Christian terms uh, so that we can understand why it's it's so easily this social justice thing is so easily adopted by Christian people yeah yeah one the word justice two part of uh, what you know Christians actually see as immoral things so Christianity really does see if you want to say, you know, use the word racism, we really do see that as a sin. Like, if you want to see a, a certain... And racism is a very interesting word, too. Yeah, you'd have to define that. Yeah, because here, you know, Vody Bakum, who's who's black, yeah. he says racism isn't even a real thing. It's yeah. not even a real thing. You have ethnic groups and ethnic people. Mm-hmm. You know, we see this in Scripture, too. You have tongues, tribes, nations, different languages, different people groups. Mm-hmm. uh living around the world, different cultures, type of things like that, mm-hmm. Eth- different ethnicities. But but race is exclusively defined by the color of your skin. So whether, you know, if you just have dark skin, you're, you know, you're, you're black or whatever. doesn't matter where you're from, really. Mm-hmm. And there's some nuances to that. But he says racism isn't a real thing. We just have differing levels of uh, melanin in, in us. So some people have more melanin so that they have darker skin, some no, people have less. We, okay, re-qual- restate that, though, Sam. When you say racism is not a real thing, what do you... Okay, yeah. So Ra- he's, he's yeah, saying... I, don't, I shouldn't say race. I should say race. Right. That's what Vody says. Now, we what, don't need to get... Say, yeah, but cl- clarify again. He says race is not a real thing. What is a real thing is varying degrees of, of melanin in your skin... Therefore, you have differing because we have we have really, 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 really pale skin people. Yeah, yeah, and really, yeah, really, really but, dark but, skin people. But where I'm getting confused, and I think it'd be valuable. he says ethnicity is a thing. Right, I'm not disagreeing with that. What I'm saying though that in our world there is a discussion about racism. Exactly. To say it, so not, yeah, I'm saying what that's you're a, saying that's is a whole other topic. De- right. What we you're even... saying is his definition. He would say. There's really one race. It's called the human race. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. With, that's, that's, and, that's within the human point. race, you have people with more melanin or less. Less. And you have these different ethnic groups. But then you have different ethnic groups, and that's yeah. a real thing because God tells us that he creates different ethnic groups, different languages. Very good. But there's really one race. Right. One race. Right. Human race. Right. We're all human. Right. We're all human beings, and therefore, we are all made in the image of God. We're yeah. all equal in honor, worth, dignity, value. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And we know that every there would be somebody. From and then, so have there been people? Uh, obviously, clearly, certain certain ethnic groups, certain ethnos of people, who then have said, "Well, I don't like that other ethnos, or I want to control that other yeah. ethnos group of people," and they've come in and dominated that yeah. tribe group inappropriately and wrongly. Yeah, and, and that's sin. Yeah, that's sin. To see, so, so yeah, we, just, so we as Christians would to see firmly that, yeah, say that to see any person, any person, yep. as less as lesser 
person. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't see them as being created in, in the image of God, the Imago Dei, with mm-hmm. equal honor, worth, value, and dignity, right. that's sinful. Yeah. Well, well, which is another interesting, I don't want to go off another, because you and I can go a zillion ways with all this, but yeah. I don't, so I don't want to go off on a tangent, but isn't that fascinating? Because when people talk this way, they're actually adopting a Christian worldview. Without exactly. Even, they're, actually, they're actually aligning with reality. We would say, yeah. of course, uh, there's this honor and sacredness and dignity of a human person because they're creating the image of God. Let's, and let's, I realize, and I've heard the discussions, and atheists would hold that too, as a high high creature and a high creation, we should value this. But even when you say we should, right. you're making a moral statement. And right. once again, I would want to go back far enough and go, but where do you get that from? Yeah. And I... You get you have seems, to borrow it from the Christian worldview. Well, I think so. Yeah. And that's the thing. You, it's you, borrowed capital. Without, without, without Christianity, without, again, building this, your ideas on the ultimate presupposition of God exists. Yeah. Perfect, holy, infinite. Yep. Then God, you, yeah. you the, this topic of justice is out of place. Yeah, yeah, it gets pretty co- complicated. Yeah, who's to say? Yeah, who's to say? Is it just or unjust? <laughs> who's to say that we that people are equal? Like, yeah, you know, if you really are a Darwinist, really what you believe is that natural selection selects for uh, certain individuals yeah. with higher fitness, which means they are more adept at reproducing and surviving. Yeah. So, really, if this is just the way it goes. And certainly we see in the animal kingdom with, you could say, microevolution that certain, certain, let's just say you have a, a mouse uh, on a beach with really light-colored sand, and the mouse has very light-colored hair, that mouse is going to survive. Yeah. Because the hawks can't see him. And then you put a dark mouse on that light-colored sand, and they're going to get picked out right away. They're going to get eaten. Yeah. So you could say in microevolution, we don't, I don't want to get on a topic of science, but... It's going to select against those genes or yeah. whatever that's going to produce dark-colored mouses. Yeah. So so help me get back where we where where did we take this little juncture here in our conversation? Man, where did we take it? Where were you going? Okay, where I was going is yes, there is r- a real sin and we see it, we we have defined it. I went off on a tangent of yeah, def- no, no, of fine. I'm just so nuances of definitions. There are sin certain, but there is a certain, real certain sin of or groups of people. Right, where, what we would, people agree What we would call racism. There is a, such a real sin. It as actually racism. has happened. Yeah, it's actually happened. There have been places men have uh, uh, damaged and dominated horrible injustices. Damaged and dom- dominated women. Has, it, it exactly, has, it has and we would call that maybe sexism. Yeah, we're not even denying. We're that. not denying that. We're saying that's absolutely right. There has been these horrible. Yep. Horrible, wicked yep. un- injustice, and we would say that from the Christian worldview, God clearly uh, has given us the the, the um, reference point for all of that. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, yeah, yeah, that's good. We yeah. are created equal and honored, dignity, worth, value. Yep. Now, this is I eventually I do want to do a whole series on on really manhood and womanhood in the Bible, as seen in the Bible. Yeah, uh, but we're gonna have to naturally pull from some of that biblical understanding: what is a man and what what is a woman to really have this topic of. Of yeah. social justice because one of the minority groups in the social justice movement is w- women. Yeah. So we have to naturally talk about what we would call today complementarianism or egalitarianism. Yeah. So we, yeah, we do believe that every single person, man and woman, no woman, and no matter what color skin you have, is equal in honor, dignity, worth, value. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But between man and woman, they're there's different roles, God-given roles, sure. God-ordained roles. Yep. So part of what we have maybe today have called sexism or sexist things is just what really is just a different in, in how God had created man and woman, hmm. you know. Yep. But that's a different kind of a different topic. Now, so those are real 
sinful things happening in our world today and have happened throughout history, racism, things like that. Now, this is where it gets really... So that's why we as Christians, and this is what I was getting at, tend to jump on this wagon of social justice. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. been great yeah. injustices against different races and different ethnicities and things like this. Absolutely. And we do, as Christians, want to fight for justice. Yep. So that's why we can tend to like, oh, this is, this is an easy pill to swallow. But then here's really a dangerous thing that gets latched onto it. It's the LGBTQ rights people that get also plugged into this social justice thing. Mm-hmm. Now, again, everybody, and this is a giant, a giant presupposition, giant truth, and so you don't misunderstand me. You have to realize that I do think that every single person is created with equal honor, worth, dignity, value. But then you have certain things that are blatantly sinful behaviors. Mm-hmm. Blatantly sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. So... Here you have a group of people who participate in a sinful behavior called homosexual sex. So they are attracted to the same sex, and then they participate in what is called homosexual behavior, where they are having sexual intercourse with the person of the same sex. Now that is what that the Bible through and through says that's wicked, sinful, horrible. Mm-hmm. Then you have a real thing happening today, what's called is called transgenderism, where people are born into, uh, you know, they're born biologically male, biologically male or biologically female, and then they feel as though they're something else. They're not a male; they're a female trapped in a male's body, or they're, mm-hmm. a, you know, a male trapped in a female's body. And so what they're doing is they're driving a wedge in between the the body and the spirit, soul and the spirit, driving a wedge in between mm-hmm. this. Um, and you're really causing chaos in their very being and their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that are happening now. And then they're getting hitched onto this this wagon of social justice. Mm-hmm. So what naturally happens is that when a Christian wants to jump on this wagon of social justice, bring it into the church because it's it seems to be fighting for you know, fighting for real justice against the the racism and all that stuff that's actually real. But then at the same time, because the world has put these things together, LGBTQ and ethnic minority stuff, they've put it together, then you're taking into your church or into your Christian community. I'm not saying this is happening with everybody, but I'm saying this can tend to happen. Mm -hmm. You're taking into this Christian community also the LGBTQ rights stuff. And so... Here's the interesting thing. God created us ethnically diverse. He did. He created different languages. That's, that's, I can't change that. I can't change the color of my skin. God created that into me, in a Mm -hmm. sense, if you want to think about it that way. And he created me a man. Here you have a group of people who participate in sinful behaviors, and that's all that it is, but then they want to make that something fundamental to their identity and they'll say i am gay i am transgender i am bisexual i am this this is fundamental to my identity of how god and if they're christian how god created me like i am this Mm -hmm. and it's so fundamental so foundational just like ethnicity would be foundational or or that you are a man or you are a woman well and i think though this conversation isn't all about sexuality no it's not it 
I, I would I would qualify one one thing that needs to be said is sure. that I agree with you that um, uh, God is condemning this this behavior right but he's actually also saying the desire is awry right so when the person says God created this this way my sus my, my I suspect my we're not even suspicion I, I've talked to a few men and women who've communicated with me about this. Uh, maybe even when they were young, they felt this desire. Right. They felt this longing right. or this desire. And so we have to be careful because what, because even as Christians, we would say, oh, no, 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 my desires, this is the p- part of the total depravity. Of yeah, my, yeah. Even my desires are awry. Yeah. Even if I don't act out right. on them, they're awry. Right. So there's areas of desire that I have that come into my life. So you could call them affections, desires, lusts. We would have to you know divide all that. Right. I don't have a real conversation about that. But they really are real. Right. And I have to go, oh, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And I have to, before the Lord, as a Christian, go, oh, no, 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 there it is. I see, I see, Lord, you've called that desire wrong. Yeah. And so I have to submit that to the Lord. Right. And nip it in the bud in the beginning. Right. Because what ends up by happening, and the scriptures describe this in James, um, you know, you dabble with this, you play with this uh, desire. Right. Uh, it begins to become this imagination, and one thing leads to another, and yes, you do act out on it. Yeah. So I would just want to qualify carefully. I agree with you. Right. The, the big issue here is that in the end, you are literally uh, paying homage to this desire and this idol. It's yeah. actually an idolatry, and you give yourself over to it yeah, physically. Yeah, like Romans 1. Yep, and you do really do engage it. Yep. But it does start with, initially, within your soul, there's this desire. That's wrong. Yep. It's in our, and it's actually a wrong desire. Yeah. And you would have to say, no, 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 that's, right. that's sin. Right. Right. You have to acknowledge that. And so the Christian does acknowledge that. And I think that's one of the misunderstandings sometimes is that we, as Christians, understanding the scriptures, understanding the real world God created, would say, oh, no, I absolutely believe a person has certain desires. Right. I actually do. Yeah. Now, we could have a discussion. How did that desire develop? Right. And some of you might say, well, it's been there as long as I could imagine. Or, yeah, even remember. I'm like, I want to go, okay, well, that. That's fine. We're born. We're born into sin. The scripture says yep. that. And I may have had a desire from the time I was young. Yep. Now I will say that I think, um, in 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 particular studies that try to study these things and understand these things, and you know, in psychology and other areas, where this would be one of those things where you know I get suspicious about a certain you know behavioral sciences, you know, and their presuppositions. But I think when people do studies, they, they realize that they're they're very much in many of this, if not most of it is some developmental components. Exactly. And, and again, today, we're not trying to get right. into all that, but there really are. There's, right. there's some really stark consistencies with people right. who struggle with these desires when you look into their lives. And, uh, and there are some very clear, I mean, like high percentage components that seem to have played themselves right. out in most people's lives. So right. we don't need to go there right now. No. Just, but I just want to clarify right. what you yep. said earlier. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on behavior, but I yep. also want to say the desire that led to that behavior is it's e- also wrong. Is, is wrong. Yep. God says it's wrong. Yep, exactly. And so that's the, that's the point. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so here's the ir- irony of it or the contradiction of it. Mm-hmm. Here, okay, we have to define justice biblically for this to make sense. Biblical justice, if you want to boil it down, is the righteous punishment of sin and evil and wrongdoing. Could you, could you, could you say, uh, I'm not afraid of the word punishment, by the way. Sure. But, but a righteous action. Action. By God, or a right, righteous response yep. to, you could say sin, but yep. we, we, I would, I would, you could even put that in parenthetically, uh, evil. Evil, yeah. So God has a righteous, right, right. good, right. perfect, Response. Yep. To evil. Evil. And that is 
Justice. Justice. Exactly. Very good. So. I like that. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. So here's here's the interesting thing. When this is so this is fundamental to the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're all the Bible says, and this is total depravity again. Go back and listen to the podcast on total depravity. Mm-hmm. We're all born sinful. Mm-hmm. I was David says I was conceived in it. We have these sinful natures. Every part of us is affected by it. Yeah. Our minds, our wills, our desires, our emotions. Yeah. Like Sin- Dan just sinfulness, said, yep. Sin- we're sinful to the core. Yep. Um, again, that, that does not mean that I'm as wicked as I possibly could be because God has this very amazing restraining grace yeah. where he keeps us from going as, as far as we actually really could go. Yeah. I could be way worse than I am and thank the Lord that he keeps me yeah. from going to horrible places. So that's the point. That means that... Can I, can I qualify, yeah. add something? That, uh, yes. Well, I, even just as I get older, I've thought about this a lot. Like, okay, so I'm not as evil as I could be. Yeah. Number one. But every part of my being yeah. has been tainted by sin. It's been tainted by it. Yep. And it's not just my moral will. That's right. the thing you have to understand. Right. This gets confused it's not, it's even not in, my in, in the aspects of, the, of historic Christianity or the, 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 the Christian movement for 2,000 years. There's been these uh, movements of people who would still claim to be Christians, but they would have a little bit different view of that, and I would disagree with that. I right. would say, no, no, no. Um, it's not just my moral will that's right. been tainted. Even... My mind. In my mind, yeah. My mind is my effect. My desires. Grace. Yeah. The point is, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Oh. Every human being is oh, yeah. in this situation. Yeah. And so true justice, biblical justice, because we're all sinful, yeah. is that God gives us the consequences, which is death, which is spiritual separation, yeah. which is hell. I mean, yep. I went through that really quick, but we all deserve to go to hell. We all deserve the wrath of God to be poured out on us. Separated from God. Separated from God for Absolutely. eternity. Absolutely. We deserve this. Yeah. We yeah. deserve this. Yeah, and, and God would be outside of his character if he didn't. If he didn't, right. If he didn't, that would be, he would be doing something unjust. It would be totally. Unjust to be, <laughs> he would be unjust not to bring justice. Think exactly. about it. Exactly. It's really, that's a subtle Exactly. It would be wrong. It'd be wrong. It It'd would be literally moral. be wrong within his very, and he can't do that because of his very nature. Right. Again, omni, he is, he is infinitely just. Exactly. Like perfectly just. So, so, um, so. so isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. Actually, it's wonderful. Like, we've all been burned right. by somebody or lied to, or right. we've had, all had injustices right. in our life. Uh, nobody gets off. Right. Nobody gets off. When it's all said and done, it is all. Nobody gets account- off. It's all. Every be- sin will be punished. It'll and, be accounted for. And, and sin isn't this. You can't separate sin. You can't pull sin outside of a person and then, well, this sin is something other than you, and therefore I'm going to uh, take it out of you and punish it apart from a person. Sin is. is, is is what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Say it again. It's, what, it's what like if this? I want to punish Dan Rumman's sin. Yeah, I can't. I can't take that sin, and and just take it out of a personality, and then just punish it. it has to be punishing a person. Oh yeah. Well, this is the, see this. This is another discussion, but it gets to the great dignity of a human person. Yeah, like. Like, um, uh, like error, falsehood, any of right. these sort of things—they're not disembodied. That's what I meant. Disembodied. They're not disembodied. Like, right. No, the, I made this decision. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm wicked. These things are embodied. Now, again, what I was trying to get to earlier is that also, also sets up the reality of a tremendous dignity. Right. And that is like, embodied. It can be love. Like, I actually can love. Yeah. I actually can right. sacrifice and do something yeah. incredibly profound right. in this world yeah. because God's created man to do that. Right. Like I can actually participate with God and do some amazing things. But that also sets up the fact that uh, uh, 
that I can do the opposite. Right. Yep. So, yep. okay, wrap it back up. So here's the point. At the end of the day, I mean, we think about this too. We see all these injustices, unjustices, or whatever you want to say. We see, we do see racism. We do see sexism. We do see anger and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and genocide and, and rape and all these horrible, wicked things. We mm-hmm. see these things. We know they exist. We know evil exists. Mm-hmm. We really do. And when you really think about the justice of God, every single one of those will be righteously punished. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. Yeah, and maybe you've heard this in the justice system, meaning like our, our incarcerated, you know, like judicial systems. Like, uh, uh, and maybe you've heard this, but it, it really is true. Like, justice uh, delayed is not justice denied. Yeah. Like, we try to apply justice in the world. Like, it, like for 20, over 20 years now, I have been in the um, the um, uh, correction system, yep. you know, going to jails, right. prisons, but literally, virtually almost every week for, I mean, look. 40 to 45 weeks a year. Yeah. I'm in the jail system. And you've been every, doing that for like 20 years. Week, every week. Yep. Meeting with men. Yep. And it, it really is profound uh, in large measure um, how much justice really does get done. Yeah. Like, there is a lot of justice, guys. I mean, yeah. I live in a pretty safe place. Right. It bothers it's me amazing. when I see a young generation complaining about the U.S. and different justices and injustice. I'm like, hey, <laughs> there's a bunch of countries you could go to right now right. that you would find it unbelievably unjust. Oh, yeah, crazy. Awful. It's crazy. So I live in a pretty just place where, you know, yes, there's times, there's things even within our system. So I'm just saying that. Yeah, I, yeah. I have that sense around me like, wow, I, even even in a human institution, we, we, we do fairly well. Right. Okay. With that, go ahead. Right. So the point is, all sin will be punished. Now, the thing that distinguishes the Christian from a non-Christian is that that sin was punished on Christ. Yeah. It wasn't that it's not punished and it's so, not just let go on. Right. No. It wasn't just let off the hook. It wasn't just brushed under the rug. Yeah. God would be unjust to just merely forgive somebody if that sin that he's forgiving was not punished. Yep. He'd be unjust. Yep. That's the gospel. That's grace. Christ, in our place, was punished. Right. For our sin. He who knew new sin became sin. Yep. My sin, Dan Rudman's sin, was on Christ 2,000 years ago, punished by God the Father. His holy righteous wrath was poured out on sin. He did not, he, what, what is the verse? He was, he was pleased to, to crush his son. To crush his son. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Oh. Yep. That's justice. So this is the, oh, this gets me all fired up, Dan. I, I can't tell that. Oh, Sam. man. I'm getting fired up right now. This is the, I, can't, I can't tell that. This Sam. is so, how how I, ironic and, and, and deceptive uh, uh, is making something that's wicked something that's just. So here you have a sinful, wicked behavior, homosexuality. And I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. Now, thrown into this social justice movement, so it's just to fight for the sinful behavior mm-hmm. of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Yeah. And if we think that we're doing somebody g- good for to saying you can live this this homosexual life and participate in it, participate in it and you will not uh one day face the wrath of a holy God for it, that's that's wrong for me to not warn somebody yeah. Of that. Yeah, and I think the difference is because if I took two steps back, sure. And said, I, you would say the same thing that a sinful behavior of heterosexual 
sexual morality. Sexual morality. Outside of marriage. Outside of marriage. Absolutely. Or after marriage, and then you engage in stuff that you shouldn't be engaging in out yep. in the world, adultery and other things. I would things. say the same thing. So we'd say, you'd say the same thing. Yep. But, but particular here, yep. I'm just reemphasizing, I think, what you're saying, right. is that this this behavior yeah. uh, and... And, and, and a giving over to these desires yep. and behavior, we would say, no, this is clearly sin, has been brought into... Yeah, the church. Not just into the church, but it's been brought into a, a circle where we somehow have... It, it's it's about justice. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Man. Man, you want to talk about, like, wow, where does this go? Like, like it's an issue of justice. Yeah. And so you have people who have been engaged in, you know, um, this... Uh, uh, sinful pattern right uh, uh much of their life and they're going yeah uh, i mean their desire is to somehow remove that stigma of justice but through our legislation yeah and all these sorts of things and it's like um you aren't you can't get out from underneath it no because it's it's ultimately ultimately this is this is a violation of the the nat- of, of what god says right and right. it's a violation of your own nature right. it's a, vi- a violation of something right and so we, I mean, I get we can continue to try to do some kind of human right. institutional acceptance right. of this, but it's always going to bring uh, a, a, yep. a, a damnation to the heart of an individual, right. and they're never going to be right. Yeah, it's sad. So it's, it's here, sad. It's actually sad. To me. Very sad. So here's 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 a dangerous part of it too, is you have people saying, "Well, I'm a gay Christian," hmm. and so, and you have some who say you have some liberal very liberal christian denominations that say yeah you can actually be living the homosexual life being participating in homosexual yeah. behavior uh and still be actually a christian yeah we say no if if you practice sin you're you've never known the truth yeah if you haven't repented and that's what that's what paul says in first corinthians 6 uh he <laughs> says and you know he does a whole list idolaters the, the you know the the drunkards, the, mm-hmm. the the people who practice Gre- sexual immorality, greedy. homosexuality, greediness. Yeah. Yep, he goes. But such were some of you. Such were you moved away. You left it. You yeah. repented. Yeah. So that's the whole. That's the gospel. We have to repent of our sins, turn away from our sinful nature, turn away from our sinful behavior, mm-hmm. trust in Christ by faith. Yeah. Turn to Him and be obedient. So that's the thing that's so interesting that you have you have certain Christian denominations that that say, oh no, you don't have to repent of this. Mm-hmm. This is who you are. You yeah. are a gay Christian. Yeah. And then you have some that don't go nearly as far as you can still do the behavior, but say, but your identity is a great gay Christian. You should yeah. celebrate that because yeah. God made you like this. Yeah. Like, no, no, even the desire is wrong. Yeah. Even the desire is wrong. Um, and if, if you didn't have the desire, then you wouldn't call yourself a gay person. You wouldn't. Yeah. So if, if you didn't have the, if you actually had a desire for the opposite sex, then you just wouldn't be called a gay Christian. Yeah, yeah. So even the desire is wrong. Well, it gets it gets interesting, right? Yeah. You know, do I do I call myself a you know a, an adulterous Christian or something right. because I have certain desires that are wrong? Right. Or, or uh, I mean, there's all sorts of right. You don't. Uh, it's kind of a strange it's identity. Strange. Like you want to uh, attach a, a, a title or a, right. a label on it. Right. I, it's it's an interesting. And celebrating. And I honestly have not been. I've been listening. Right. Uh, but there are some significant conversations going on about that. I, I read, uh, one quote I recently uh, was looking at, or it was an interview with Rosaria Butterfield, um, who lived a gay lifestyle, yep. a homosexual lifestyle, and uh, actually taught queer theory. Yep. And a fascinating woman. 
God rescued her and she, she, you know, turned from her sin and came to know Christ and, and has lived this really, you know, wonderful life of a mother and, you know, uh, a wife and a mother now. And, um, she speaks on this a lot yeah, and of course takes lots of hits for it. But she was speaking about this idea of gay Christianity. She actually called out a few names that she said, I just don't think I agree with them. And her, her statement was something like, like, you know, we make it sort of look or, or certain Christians are making this look like we're in a forest looking at trees from a different angle. Right. But she says, I don't think I'm even in that forest. Right. It's a very interesting thing because it's like a, you're, we're using a lot of the same words, Christian right. words, religious words, but we, I, we mean something fundamentally really different. Right. And and so so I think what if I sense what you're trying to get at here, Sam, without without even an outline in front of me, is just that this whole thing, yeah, which is a discussion. Even like said the whole sexuality thing is a discussion. Yep. Um, has been brought under the guise of justice. Yeah. And it seems to me, if I hear you right, the, the thing that's disturbing to you is ultimately justice is about the nature of God. Right. And he calls things just, and we're bringing something in yeah. and it that, that actually is unjust, and we're calling it just, just, and we're actually saying if you don't hold to this un- injustice, right. uh, then you are unjust. Right. It's, it, it, it gets Isn't that crazy. It gets, it gets, it gets and, and again, let's let's move back for the sake, you know, the you know, uh, a podcast. Like, I would have another discussion that I'd want to have with people to understand the nature of sin. Like when God created us, He said, "I want you to flourish." Right. He commanded them in the garden to like enjoy. Yeah. It really was amazing. But there's certain things you can't do. Right. Because it will destroy you. Right. And so this whole discussion to me isn't like well. You know, one person's better than another person, or your sin is worse than another sin. Right. I don't even want to go there. Right. I simply want to go listen. Um, this is not what you were created for, right? And it is evil against the right. holy God, and right. and that that that's one thing. That's the prohibition. That's true, right? But there's this other side of it: is that God has created me to flourish, right? He's created a young man to flourish as a man, a young woman right. to flourish as a young woman, and and that is evil and destructive right it will destroy that person it will change that person they will they will not become what god created them to exactly be. and so you know the there's a part of me maybe that i don't know what you call that you know the pastoral say even compassionate side i want to i want to always emphasize that it's not about just the prohibition right so even in the garden it's it always fascinates me is god's commanded them Go party, go enjoy all this food I've made for right. you. There's all these Eat trees, all the trees, all of it, and, and, all it was, the... and literally, he commanded them to. That's yeah. what always strikes me. Like, like I want you to go enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. Just don't touch the one thing. Yeah, because that will destroy you. Yeah. Well, and isn't it interesting when when then Satan came to tempt Eve again, already usurping the divine order that God had created into well, yeah, the universe? Another discussion Whole another discussion. Another. But then he goes. Did God really say that you can't eat of any of the trees? Yeah, which isn't. It was worth... totally the opposite. He yeah. said, "No, I can eat of all the trees except this one." And then Satan comes and says, "Did God really say that you can't eat any of them?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then yeah. and then Eve goes, "No, he didn't say that, but he, you know, he did say you can't eat of this or right. touch it. Right. He never said that." So again, I, I think that, that we you always have to frame any of this discussion in in light of that, like, right? Like, um, you know, evil. Yeah, it is evil. Right, sin is evil. Right, no matter what sin it is, it's evil. Right, and it's 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 doing something opposite of what God's created. Right, for us. Right, and so while we're talking about the sexuality, it could be anything. Right, but um, yeah, it's it's critical to understand, and it's critical to the Christian understanding. Right, of how we talk about this, to understand that no, 
sin is this awful thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it destroys us. It right. separates us from God. Right. So and I so want to I want to get back. That was the that was the uh, um, the unjust things being called just and being pulled into the church in yeah, that way. That's, that's really one, that's, that's really what you're trying. That's to That's one aspect yeah. of the social justice movement that's not right. Yeah. Now there's this whole ordeal with okay, there. What about the things that are actually unjust, like racism? So that's another topic. Okay, we in the Christian church should fight and put to death the mistreatment of people just because of their color of their skin or whatever. That is wrong. Yeah. Well, and you know, it kills me about that. Honestly, this it just kills me. I, 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 I give talks on you know. I've been in many places speaking many times and, uh, you know, universities and jails and churches and, you know, out in the streets with people. And it's fascinating to me. That even when you say that I, I'm, I'm, I'm popping it up right now in front of me. Okay. I have this list of yeah. where the church, the church, meaning groups of Christians yep. have went into the world Yep. and they've done what they're supposed to do. Sure. Now, because we're sinful people, um, even the church has done things they shouldn't have done. Right. That is true. That's real. And and here's what's interesting. When you say they've done stuff they shouldn't have done, you'd say, well, yes, Jesus said they shouldn't have done it. Right. So, yes, they failed to follow through with what they had been commanded to follow through with. Right. That's the interesting right. thing. So, so of, of course. But but, but listen, listen to this, this list I picked up. It's fascinating, okay? So we could talk about infanticide, yep. child marriage, temple prostitution, forced prostitution, child prostitution, the killing of twins, women being second-class citizens, the abandoning of the elderly, revenge killing, a divorce, think of this one, divorce, a wife for any reason. Yeah. That was actually, there was this church reality that says you just can't do that. You can't right. abandon a woman. Nope. Uh, which has been changed. But uh, child abuse, purchase of wives, animal cruelty, believe it or not, sales, uh, uh a ch- a selling a child for debt, put, you know, selling yep. a child into debt yep. to pay for your debt, prisoner abuse, prison reform, killing special needs children, child labor, gladiator contests, huh. that stands out to you, yep. uh, bribery, select gender abortion, um, sexual perversions, yep. which went were immoral, and humans at the end of the day just become objects. Right. In fact, wherever you see homosexuality historically flourishing, like on the front end, you, it's it's immediately followed by the status of women and children being turned into objects. Right. It's really, right. it all goes hand in hand. Right. So you think of cruel punishment, you think of human rights, uh, you know, think of abolition of slavery in the U.S. It's really fascinating. That all came and was the, was a great, powerful movement out of Christianity. Yeah. It was Christianity yeah. that brought that about. Right. So when I'm told these things, like, well, we're not doing something about justice or we've contributed, I'm like, let's, let's stop here a minute. Yeah. I've got hospitals all over this country that were started by those who would claim to know the living God. Right. Public education. I have educational systems. I have all sorts of stuff. Right. That was a movement of Christians. Right. To say we haven't done this. Right. You know, like this collective, oh, we, we just haven't. I'm like, that's just not true. Right. Just that in itself is just not true. Right. And I'm always going, that's not true. Right. Come on, guys. Right. This is not true. Right. So, so are there failings? Oh, of course there's been right. failings. Right. There's failings in my own life. Right. In my own, you know, my own context, family, community, yep. where yep. I've, I could have stepped up to the plate more somewhere right. or something. Okay. Right. I, but I get you. But to say there's been this utter failing and now this, this, this uh, justice movement built on the back of, you know, cultural Marxist, critical race theory, all these things has got it right. Yeah. And we have just got it all wrong forever. I just go, 
I, uh, I don't know. Something's is really awry yeah. at that deal. So, guess what I'm saying is, yeah, we don't want racism to happen. Now, how do we stop racism? Mm-hmm. Do we adopt this idea or this theory of, you know, this critical race theory? Do we adopt white privilege? Do we adopt intersectionality as these tools which we destroy these things? And the ultimate question goes, well, the scriptures are sufficient for every good work. Mm-hmm. The scriptures are sufficient to to allow me as a Christian to kill my sin. Yeah. So if I'm a racist and the gospel is brought to me, God changes my heart supernaturally, regenerates my heart, gives me a new heart, new will, I'm yeah. sealed by the Holy Spirit, then the scriptures... The gospel is sufficient for me to put to death that sin of racism. Yeah. I don't need to adopt this this extra biblical idea invented in the universities, the law universities in the 1980s, this idea of critical race theory to kill my sin yeah. of isn't racism. That, isn't that funny? This is funny. Okay, so I grew up, just, yeah. if I could be a little autobiographical, I grew yeah. up in northern Michigan, yeah. small country town you know outdoors was a big right. thing basketball was a big thing you know you think of hoosiers it, right it's what it sort of feels like right we, we loved basketball we loved our right. friday night football games small town right um and i grew up hardly uh, hardly ever you know like meeting or hanging out with anybody right another ethnic group i just i just didn't i yep. just wasn't exposed to it. right and uh and uh and certainly there was you know when i look back there were jokes and you know prejudice Racist right. kind of jokes and sorts of things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not oblivious to that. But um, it was funny to me because then I came to, um, of course, I came to know the Lord in the university setting, became a Christian, and uh, uh, Christ really rescued me. And and in time, uh, I find my, I found myself like uh, at one time I was, a, 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 you know, I had been a Christian for a number of years at that point, say my, you know, sort of say ten years or twelve years. I was at this great big men's event in our country called the Promise Keepers event, and there was this big push or big discussion about uh, what they about racial reconciliation. Right. And I, first of all, <laughs> the reason it's interesting is I thought, well, I didn't even know that was a big deal because as a Christian, I uh, just naturally as a Christian, I saw all men created in the image of God, and it right. wasn't it wasn't even a point of discussion for right. me. Right. Right. And and secondly, what's really funny is the the guy that went to me to this event. We both came from California. We went to this event in Colorado. It was a black guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I looked at him. He looked at me. I mean, did, did, I didn't even know this was really a big issue. Right <laughs> now, in certain places, it is, and the church needs to address that. Right, right, right. where it's appropriate. But I just found it interesting. Just as a Christian, right, walking with God, I just I didn't get that there's any big deal. Right. And I grew up in a place where it wasn't like I was immersed in a right. multicultural world. Right. It was a pure white world right. with lots of jokes, right. anti, you know, ethnic jokes right. that are, you know, are inappropriate. And so I, f- I just find it interesting. And then today, much of my uh, much of my work, my ministry, um, you know, I'll be traveling in a few weeks here with, right. and, and literally, you know, in a real sense, uh, the the core team that I'm with, I'm I'm like the only white American guy, right, right. <laughs> And then we're bringing in a few couple other American white guys, but it's all, you know, other cultures, other yeah. eth- eth- ethnic, other languages. And I'm like, I don't. You don't even think about I, it. I really don't. I'm being honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm like, no, these are my brothers. What's the big deal? I, I don't. But but that comes from just. The gospel. Yeah, the gospel. And I think that's where I'm trying to get. Yeah. The, the answer to this. Yeah. Is called the gospel. Yeah. All it's called a man dealing with his individual sin. Yeah. And and coming to faith in Christ, right? And then where, as we grow in Christ and we see our individual sin, we we contend with it. Yeah. But it's not this, this, uh, 
larger construct of some systemic we need to solve this government right. system. Doesn't mean we don't weigh in, say things. We, we, we have forever. We've been active, right? The Christian community has been active in like the pro-life movement, right? right. Like, like we need to stop the killing of babies. Right. But it's interesting, social justice to say that Social justice movement says that we needed to fight for the rights of the women to make the choice. I know, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? That's right. another one of the like the sexuality thing too. Is like here we have this extremely unjust thing, murder. Right. Now, Sam, isn't that what you were saying oh. earlier? You you had shared something earlier. Maybe it came from Stephen Hicks, and you brought it up in a couple of these podcasts now. So at the end of the day, it's actually, it actually the the so, social justice movement and those that are like embracing it, postmodernism. Yeah is not a big diverse thing. It is a thing. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a thing. It's a view. Yeah. And you have in in that view you you adopt a bunch of things like right. like you're saying like like you think you'd find postmodern if you want to say it postmodern social justice people going abortions wrong. Right. No. <laughs> right? Is, yeah. I mean you've been you've you brought this up a couple Right. Two days in a row to me. That, and I, oh, thought, me I had let, thought about it like me, that as me, much, but I see yeah, it. Yeah, I see listen, what you're saying. This is interesting. Let me read a list. And I got this from Vody Bauckham. I mean, goodness, the Sovereign Nations thing. I'm going to give it a push again, like Dan already said. Good grief. If you want to listen to just to get a good synopsis of what's going yeah, on here yeah. from a Christian perspective. Yeah, I tell you, go to that. Sovereign Nations, you know, and uh, the gospel, uh, social justice and the gospel. Yeah. Can you, can you do post links on your podcast here no I, I don't really know how to do that <laughs> but it's you just go youtube I mean, you'll find it people are smart enough now so yeah uh, so, um let me read what are social justice issues uh today you know outside of you know the the ethnic minorities the the, the feminism lgbtq stuff these are also social justice issues defined by the social justice movement oh yeah go climate change oh yeah uh, veganism, vegetarianism, income inequality, animal rights, universal health care, access to abortion. Mm -hmm. These are all social justice issues. Yeah. And ironically, very interestingly, they're all they all come from kind of postmodern thought, but they're also they're all left leftist political stances. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing. Yeah. You would expect with postmodern theory, you would find a diversity of people all over the board on these yeah. issues yeah. as postmodernists, but unanimously they're left, really radical left-leaning thoughts. Yeah. So it's so interesting, so interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, where were you? We? You were getting at this. This. Um, hmm. Where, where were we getting at? Oh yeah. How do we kill racism? Gospel, Bible. As a Christian, the Scriptures. I immerse myself in the Scriptures and the in the Word of God. Uh, discerns the intentions well, the of gospel, my heart. The gospel's the answer. Yeah, it the is the answer. answer. The gospel's so, really the answer. We, ultimate answer. I mean, and, and again, there's been guys that have gotten in trouble trying to address this, you know. Right. Um, and it's like, no, the gospel is actually the answer. The answer. It's the, the answer. It's actually even even before, you know, uh, uh, a government change, a political change, uh, uh, war. Right. I mean, there's, I could, there's some, you know, some writings about that. They were like, man, you know, maybe I realize we entered into some war to stop right. things that were wrong. But maybe, uh, you know, the gospel is really the better answer. Man, <laughs> the man. Proclamation of the gospel. Oh, man. Uh, not, not just maybe, but it is. It is. Here's... Now, how you apply that. Right. I, I get that. But the point being is, yes, the answer is the gospel uh, dealing with my own individual sin. Right. This is what the scriptures talk right. about. And my, and so anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. And. You understand why a world, a world without Christ, yep. would seek to create certain things or certain theories to try to uh, 
answer these these problems. Oh yeah, see, and that's the thing I was saying earlier about the sexuality piece. It should grieve us. Yeah, because these, there are people really trying to figure out how do I live right. life with a certain peace in my right. soul, and and anybody would want to be loved right. and accepted right. and fit. And, right. I mean, that's that. Those those are human. Right. Those those are the way God has created right. us. But the answer for those things right. is in the gospel. Yeah, that's what we're trying to say. So I understand why people go to certain things. Yeah, like I really do. I have friends in all sorts of walks of life. That I would even say, and, and they know that. Right. I mean, I, men, I've had honest conversations with women. I've had honest conversations right. with. And I go, but that's not the answer. Right. So the you're, point. You're, 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 you, you know, you bought into the wrong answer. Right. The point is, is that as Christians who know the gospel is the answer. Yeah. Why are we sending mixed messages yeah. where I need to also these other things that were invented by the world to yeah. see this happen? Sending mixed messages, and ultimately, what it's saying is the scriptures aren't sufficient. Yeah, the gospel yeah. isn't sufficient. Right. I need to also do this other stuff alongside of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a problem. It's a yeah. huge problem, yeah. and that's why back episode before this, we said that some of these guys, James White, Vody Bacham, those guys, are saying that this is the biggest assault on the gospel since the Reformation. Yeah, it's interesting. That's yeah. why. Yeah, because you're saying the gospel's not enough now. The gospel's not enough to d- defeat racism. We need all these other things. Wrong, we don't. The gospel is all we need in the Bible, in the scriptures, in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we need to deal with our own individual sin. Mm-hmm. And so you, you think you can just you think you can just employ these 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 theories and you think you can just uh yeah, do what the social justice movement says they're gonna do is figure out who has the inequality, we're gonna assess, you know, what the yeah. d- the disadvantages, we're gonna point blame and then we're gonna yeah. redistribute resources. Yeah. That's not the that's not how it's gonna work. So if you have a family where the father left, it's a fatherless home, and that father becomes a Christian, he's going to get convicted of his sin. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is going to convict him. The scriptures are going to search his heart, and he's going to seek to do what is yeah. actually right by the gospel, yeah. not by some uh, laws getting you know put through legislation and all this stuff. Yeah. It's going to fix the problem. That's not going to yeah. fix the problem. It's a hard issue. Right. It's a hard issue. Yeah. You can't just... And that's what the whole postmodern thing is socially constructed. So there should be a social yeah. a social way to bring it about, you know, equality. No, it's a heart issue. Yeah. It's a sin issue. Yeah. Um, and man, that's crazy. So then you have organizations and you have churches that what they seek to do where this really becomes a problem is that, oh yeah, they're still gonna say, Yeah, the gospel is really important. We need to we need to do the Great Commission. We need to make disciples of all nations and bring the gospel to the world. But we're gonna elevate the social stuff fighting against racism, fighting for equality, all this stuff, we're going to elevate it at the same level as the true gospel. Mm-hmm. And they make it these two things that we both need to do. Yeah. No, that the social stuff, the yeah. true social stuff, what I mean, the true social things like racism, now I'm not talking about homosexuality. The true social things are a product that come after the true gospel because it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous when you have an organization that thinks you're going to elevate the social stuff to the same playing field as gospel. Yeah. So you, could, you have to do both of them. No, you have to do the gospel. Another one will be a product of it. Yeah, right. Um, and here's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, this is, a, this, is a, this is one of the ideas that's going around in some of these Christian organizations, these Christian movements. Mm-hmm. One of these ideas is that, and Dan and I were talking about this, and we'll end on this because we've already gone pretty long. Yeah. Hopefully you've been able yeah. to go. We'll end on this. This is what's so dangerous about it. Oh, is this dangerous? They say, and we're going to think about this a little bit. The greatest injustice is that 
non-believers aren't getting the gospel. Are you going to actually end on that note? I'm going to end on that. But we're going to talk about it just for a little bit here. Here? You need to come back to that. Man. But I just want to elaborate on it just a bit. Think about what we've been talking about justice. The greatest injustice, this is what some of these people are saying, Christian movements and stuff, the greatest injustice is that non-believers aren't getting the gospel. Oh, here's the deal. That is saying that the gospel is somebody's right. And if it's somebody's right, then then it would be unjust for them not well, to have it. Right. Well, they're a victim. Yeah, and they're a victim. And and who are who are the oppressor? The oppressor are those uh, that are Christians who somehow are disobedient right. and not bringing the gospel right. to them. So once again, we've set up this construct right. of an oppressor versus an oppressor. Right. But think about this. Think about this. this think of what it does. <laughs> wow. If, if, if it's unjust, a non-believer doesn't have the gospel, that would make it logically that the non-believer has the right to have the gospel, which means they have the right to receive grace, which then destroys grace. Because what is grace? An undeserved gift, unmerited favor. You did not deserve it. What do you deserve? You deserve hell. And now, somehow in this weird lingo of adopting these different terms, uh, I'm going to say that it's it, it's the non-believer's right to have the gospel, the right to receive grace. Well, then that's not grace. Yeah. So well, it, it, oh. it messes up. Oh, you get excited. Look, at you. Um, it messes up a number of things, though, right? I mean, it messes up the whole idea of justice, right? Yeah, that's the point. Like, 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 oh my goodness! Like, that, man, that it, it just confuses the it whole confuses thing. Confuses everything. Confuses the gospel. Confuses the gospel. Yeah. It confuses the gospel, and so then, what do you have? Here's the interesting thing. Then, if 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 the gospel becomes a non-believer's right. Then you have, and then in the middle of this, you have uh, a non-believer being uh, maybe a homosexual man, and he's living a homosexual life. You go, well, it's his right to have the gospel, but we don't want to. And but we've already adopted the fact that he his identity is this. So if it's his right, then we can't say that he has to change. So then it's a gospel that loses repentance as well. Mm, yeah, and it's so dangerous. Yeah. Think about that, guys. I mean, we can elaborate on this later, maybe. Maybe I will later because I don't I get the luxury of living with Dan <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. I only get to be around him a little bit. But I guess, man, isn't that interesting? These are interesting twists, aren't they? Oh, deceptive See, twists. Yeah, and I think from I Satan. Th- yeah, and it's always the interesting thing to me about all this sort of stuff. I think we talked about that the other day is that all of this stuff are always these subtle deceptions and twists. Yeah. They're not this radical. When well, Satan, he disguises himself as an angel of light. light. This is how it works. Right? Oh, this is absolutely. So I re- subtle. I remember when. It's not going to be just oh, this yeah. blatant boom. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. And so you see the, these subtle things, and I can understand why people start sort of adopting them and believing them because, you know, it's heartfelt. It feels right. But you got to go back and go, wait a minute. Let's start with who God is. Let's right. start with the scriptures. Right. Start with the gospel. And you go, if you started with that, you wouldn't end up at this You wouldn't this end place. up with that. You wouldn't end up at this place. That's that's my fundamental problem. Yep. It really is. Um, I can appreciate a lot about even academics, study, scholarship. I mean, you got, you're sitting in an office with a lot of books. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of brilliant minds. Right. Um, even non-Christian brilliant minds. Right. But I would, might, I would, like, in lots of cases, disagree with them. Right. But I'm kind of in awe that they're brilliant. Right. Like, what a genius. My goodness. Right. Um. But just because you're a genius and you have, you know, three PhDs doesn't mean you're right. Right. Exactly. That's another thing that happens. Well, they're the next exp- expert. Well, yeah. I have an authority that says they're not. Right. 
scriptures, way everything gets scriptures. Right, and this is where you end up with, you know, the behavioral sciences become really complicated. You know, psychology, sociology, political science, I know those are being addressed by others now. Yeah. But their fundamental presuppositions are not Christian presuppositions. Exactly. They're not biblical presuppositions. Oh, They're starting with man. Burdens my heart. And again, I'm not saying that they don't go out, do some studies, come up with some evidences of something. Right. But it's what you do in the interpretation of that. Yeah. And and, and the very fundamental... Here's the here's uh, bad thing, though. But the, let me finish. The okay. fundamental academic field of study... Here's how I explain. Okay. Let's say you you walk in, a, you know, you're already walking from a society. You're 15, 16, 17. You go through high school. You've heard a bunch of things. Now you walk into the university and you take sociology 101. Right. And let's say you're let's say you're a Christian. Yeah. Even if you're not, but the point being is that you you um, that textbook those those theories you're being given yeah were not grounded right with the begin same my same right. beginning point right of, of who God is. Right. The scriptures, the gospel, I, I, they're 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 different, mm-hmm. and you kind of learn this theory, and it sort of makes sense. And you look around the world, and you're like, well, well, that kind of fits, right? You know, the, the 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 idea or the evidence, yep. But you haven't thought through it in light of where did this come from, right? And, and the foundations I'm talking about with presuppositions. Well, right. now you learn. So, so in a simple way, I always describe it. You learn, you know, sociology 101. Then you go the next year and you get sociology 201. Right. Then you get 301. You get 401. And you realize that you're building, you know, you're building something here. You're building a worldview. You're right. building a philosophy of life. Right. You're building a way of thinking. Right. But once again, you've got to go back and say, what was this built on? It was built on a presupposition 101. Right. And if you went before sociology 101, you would find that, that much of what has been built right. is built on a secular view of the nature of truth, right. a secular idea. Of, secular, by the way, means you know God's out of the picture. Just right. man is here. It's built on man. Right. You st- we're going to start with man. Right. Now, if I wanted to be, you know, kind of theological here, and I think it's fair to do that, right? Like I could say, well, this is this is what happened in the garden. Right. Like, did God really say? Yeah, and once again, we've said this already. So Eve becomes the arbiter of, of well, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to go here or there. Well, she didn't really even have that position to no. decide. Really, no, she should have just submitted to God. So no, God's right, right, because He's God, right. And you, I'm going to start there. And He said, bup, bup, bup. well, she didn't. Yep. And, it's, and then there's consequences. But, but again, think of domino effect. Yep. It's, it sets up one thing to the next thing, next right. thing, next thing. So all of a sudden, what I was saying earlier is, you have somebody who studied this field of study, and they could even be a Christian. Yeah. But they have a lot of ideas and theories that you go, huh, I don't know. Uh, that, that, doesn't, right. that doesn't necessarily fit uh, right. Right. The, the biblical grid. So I think it, it's just a fascinating right. thing. It's yep. a fascinating uh, yep. to understand that that's happened. And Man. so I have to start with the right presuppositions. Right. That's why I'm always beating that drum. Man, and this like, is the scary I'm thing. I'm always beating this drum. Like, I want it. you got to think of God. You got to recognize who he is. He has the complete capacity to reach down and give me the knowledge that he wants me to have, and right. he has. Right. And I'm going to go there, and I'm going to start my whole framework the best I know how there. Right. And, and then trust where I blow it, and kind of come back, <sighs> and come back to it, and and um, we have to start there. But this this whole thing we're talking about today, with social justice, um, all these tenets of it. They don't begin with the same presuppositions no. that I begin with. That's the problem. Here's a scary thing. Here's a scary thing. I'm just going to draw this out a little longer. <laughs> you are? Just a little bit. Oh, my. Because we're talking about the scriptures. We've got to okay. start with the scriptures. But then the social justice w- movement, and when the c- certain Christians adopt it, they say, you're reading the Bible through your white lens. Yeah. And then you can't come to certain truths because of your white privilege oh, and your Sam, white lens. Sam, I was in a meeting. 
So oh my. So that means you have to you have to you have to take into account what the black person, how the black person reads this text, how the transgender person reads this text, yeah. how the gay Christian reads this text, all these things, and so you can't. There, you are automatically in your whiteness blocked off from certain truths because you're reading the text through your certain lens. That's unbiblical. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. I'm no, la- I'm laughing because you get excited. Well, it's so unbiblical. It's totally a tactic of Satan. Yeah, yeah, that's wrong. It's deception. And you have a story? Well, I had a story where I was in. Say a, the story. In, well, you've you've heard this, but I was. Just, I'll make it simple. I was just in a meeting. Somebody was wondering. It was a meeting with a church. It was a group of people that were interested in missions, and and I don't know the whole context. And the guy, my I may be misunderstanding what he was saying, but but it did fly right in this whole thing. Um, uh, wondering about me going to a particular country and what makes you think that you can, you know, be effective there. And I'm like, well, the men I travel with are from there, and they tell me that I'm effective when I open up the Word. And yeah. I said, really, what we try to do is really emphasize just the Word of God, and right. we preach it to them. Right. And, and his comment to me was like, but do you realize your, your Bible was translated by white European males? Yeah. He actually said that to me. Yeah. So basically what he's saying is even though I'm taking my Bible over there and I'm I'm preaching the Word to these people— um, it's it's completely biased because the way it was translated was biased as white. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what he's that's saying. Exactly what Again, he's saying. you know, and, you know, if he's the, those if you're white, listening those to this white and, and you want to correct me on that, they uh, they translated me, through but, their. But that's at least what I'm like. Whoa, really? And I and it was very. It was just. And I've heard this sort of stuff yeah. in many different settings. I'm like, wow, like this is really like pervasive. It's like it's kind of went everywhere, right? So I can't see, but you got to understand if. What people have to understand is when we say that thing, catch the other subtleness of this. We're sort of saying that, like, God, let's think of it this way. Right. I don't think of God this way, but God's somehow in this throne room, and he wants to get me this information. Right. And somehow it's got mistranslated right. by white European males. Right. And so now his servants, those who are seeking to walk with him, got it all jacked up and screwed up. Right. And he's wringing his hands right like oh my oh my like yeah they got it wrong right do you understand see i have a confidence that god is there and he can really speak and affirm these things and there's been this whole process and we can critique the process but the process is pretty stinking amazing right and could we say there could be failings in it oh sure right but it's so overstated yeah there's a failing right it's more amazing that i will sit here in a couple weeks with a whole group of men yep from Eight different countries, yeah, completely different ethnic groups. Right, two hundred fifty men in a room. And right, we all right within the center of the gospel. Right, if you will, and the scriptures. If I could say it this way, speak the same language. Exactly, it's amazing. Yeah. Now, are there some subtleties this way, that way? Yeah. Very subtle. Yes, but they're not. They're not. They're they're what what we would say in, in our exegetical uh, hermeneutical study. Right. Oh, you could overstate something. Yeah. And you could understate something. Yeah. But you can't counterstate it. Right. Like, man, well, of course. Right. And that's why we work with each other. But, right. but, but the essence of these objective realities that God wanted us to know and masses, numbers of them, if you want to say it that way, right. are very, very clear. Right. Man. Very clear. Very clear. So. Oh, man. That's a good point. It's a burden. And there's so, still so much to talk about. <laughs> man. Woo. Okay. Okay, we're going to end if well, good grief. We got like an hour and 45 in this discussion. Okay, we better quit. You know, hey, the cool thing about a podcast if you're listening is that we'll come back. You can pause it, 
You can go back to listen to it. You don't have to listen to an hour and 45 in one sitting. Obviously, you probably can't. Yep. So just pause it, go back to it, listen to it later. Re- like, this is a really important discussion. So I really hope you did make it through this entire thing, whether it took you a week or not. But this is really important. And I really encourage you um, to share this. Share this podcast with others. Share this discussion with others. Um, really look into these things. Really search the scriptures because the scriptures are our ultimate authority. And yep. and if you have the Spirit of God, and use a proper hermeneutical principle. Which means what? Which <laughs> I hermeneutical principle. I've beaten the dead horse of per- hermeneutical principles literally in every podcast. Episode. Have you really? Okay. So if you've been listening to this, just you, interpret it rightly. Oh it's man, not, not yeah. that hard. It's not that hard. Good <laughs> grief. Yes, there's some principles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully you share it with others. Hopefully you aren't totally irate with me. Um, but if yeah, if you do enjoy it, if you are helped, I really encourage you to uh, yeah spread it. Spread it around a little bit. So thanks for listening.